Hey, good morning, everyone. Thanks for joining us here in the building. Thanks for joining us online. You guys stand up. We're going to sing together. We're going to praise the name of the Lord together. Come on. Sing. I saw Satan fall like lightning. I saw darkness run for cover. But the miracle that I just can't get over My name is registered in heaven I've been leaving signs and wonders I have resurrection power Yes I do So the miracle that I just can't get over My name is registered in heaven yeah, my praise belongs to you forever. This is my testimony from death to life. Cause grace rewrote my story. I'll testify by Jesus Christ the righteous. I'm justified. This is my testimony. This is my testimony. Together, sons and daughters, but with blood and washing water, sing the praises of the Spirit, Son and Father. Our God will finish what He started. Yes, our God will finish what He started. Oh, this is my testimony from death to life. My story, I'll testify by Jesus Christ the righteous. I'm justified. This is my testimony. This is my testimony. Sing. I'm not dead, you're not done Greater things still to come Oh, I believe If I'm not dead, you're not done Oh, greater things still to come Oh, I believe If I'm not dead, you're not done You're not done, you're not Greater things still to come testimony from death to life cause grace rewrote my story I'll testify by Jesus Christ the righteous I'll testify this is my testimony now I'm alive this is my testimony from death to life cause grace rewrote my story I'll testify by Jesus Christ the righteous, I'm justified. This is my testimony. This is my testimony. 
praise Him this morning. Yes. Amen. Jesus. 
for your son. We thank you that he's the one who's given us hope. That we can sing, that we can proclaim your name because of the grace that we've been given through your son. And so we thank you for that. And we continue singing and, and know that you've been before us and you've seen what's coming. And so we just declare that whatever our battle is right now, it belongs to you, Lord. And thank you, and everybody here said, Amen. When all I see is the battle, you see my victory. When all I see is a mountain, you see a mountain. And as I walk through the shadow, your love surrounds me. There's nothing to fear now, for I am safe with you. Come on, sing it. So when I fight, I'll fight on my knees with my hands lifted high. The battle belongs to you. And if you are for me, who can be against me? For Jesus, there's nothing impossible for you. When I see the cross, God, you see 
glad to be here today. Let's thank our great God. You may be seated, please. All right. God, you can clap. I mean, it's all right. Excited. We're thanking God that we're here. Thank you for joining us online today. Uh, God is so good. I just want to share with you a few announcements here. You know, this is kind of a, a wild time, isn't it? Like life seems to be up and down right now. And um, 2020 has just been absolutely crazy. But one good thing I want to share with you, did you notice we have more sunny days in Pittsburgh than we've ever had? Like, this has been the best weather, so we'll take the weather of 2020. Everything else we'll leave out for next year, okay? But uh, I'm just so thankful. You know, in the midst of all this, God is still God. 
He is rock solid. Amen. Uh, he has never changed. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you, no matter what happens through all of this time. And uh, as we continue on, I just want, want you to know that we have a vision at this church. Our mission is to bring people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Would you say that? Our mission is to bring people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And while COVID has made the world a little bit upside down, tossing and turning, and, and just everything's so different, we're continuing on with our mission and our vision. And so coming up in uh, just a few weeks out in our parking lot, we're going to do our trunk and treat annual event, and that's going to be on October the 28th, Wednesday evening. Uh, it's a, for about two hours up here. I want to invite you to be a part of that, to come and hand out candy. Uh, we're going to space the cars out. We're going to help this thing be done. Now, of course, you're outside, so we're going to do this thing properly. But uh, we are going to, uh, ju- this is our way of letting our neighbors know that we're here and say, hey, listen, the whole world's crazy right now, but we're still here and we still love you. And here's a piece of candy for your kid. And we're just going to enjoy the evening up here. So we're looking still for about 20 more cars, 20 people. People that will say, hey, I'll come up and hand out candy. It has to be pre-bought, store, uh, a pre-packaged from the store, all that type of stuff. But um, if you would do that, go to our website, crsmin.com, and you'll see there's two ways to get involved with Trunk and Treat. One is to sign up for your kids to come. So if you just want to come and participate, you're going to walk your kids around, uh, invite your neighbors. That's a, This is what this is all about. So people can find out whenever they're looking for God, they're going to come running here. And that's what we're all about here. All right. So um, uh, invite your friends and neighbors. Number two, there's a, a place that says Trunk and Treat Serve. So I want to encourage you to, to look at those places there. Sign up to serve. We need, again, about 20 more cars to help us to be able to hand out kids. Uh, candy hand out kids. <laughs> That's just what you want. I'm going to take home an extra kid, right? So uh, uh, hand out candy and uh, to the kids, and it's just going to be a good time. We're looking forward to that. And then uh, the other thing this morning I want to share with you about the vision of our church, the mission we're moving forward. Uh, when you came in today, unfortunately, there was a Christmas tree in the foyer. You know, I went away for a few days, and I come home, and I had a heart attack. There's a Christmas tree in the foyer. I have a rule, no Christmas trees until the day after Thanksgiving. Like in our home, we put up, can I hear an amen to that, all right? Thank you. A couple of you out there. However, I'm going to let the culprit of that Christmas tree, Deb Metcalf, come up and share with you about Operation Christmas Child, uh, the, uh, the Operation Shoebox. So would you welcome Deb Metcalf to the stage this morning? Good morning, everyone, and Pastor Ken, thank you so much for the special dispensation on the Christmas tree, because this is a Christmas tree like no other. This one has little gift gift tags on it, and um, each tag has um, a suggested item that if you take a tag, then take it to a store, buy the suggested gift item, bring it back in. Next week, we're going to have a collection box um, out in the, the foyer there. Whatever you buy, you bring in, you drop it in that box, and everything that comes in, we're going to use uh, for one of our three packing parties. Um, we're going to have a packing party on Sunday afternoon, November 15th, church-wide. It'll be in the gym. We're just going to lay out everything that's being donated. We'll have it sorted according to boy-girl, according to age. You take shoe boxes and just keep going through the line until we empty those tables. Um, but um, just uh, so that's one thing that we have going on in conjunction with the shoe boxes. Um, 
And we're going to have three of those packing parties. One that will be church-wide. Um, Wednesday, November 18th, we're having a packing party for our kids down in Clubhouse. And then I know Pastor Eric is organizing packing parties um, for the older kids as well. So we have a lot of that going on. Um, you can do the very traditional. Pick up as many shoe boxes as you want. Fill them the way that, that they need to be filled. And Pastor Ken, you do that so well. The lovely Vanna. You, 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 you just do that so well. Um, I'm booked to do another presentation later in the month. You might need to come with me for that. So we will work as a team. Um, so anyway, and see, that we don't want to send that out. That box is empty. Somebody was just telling me that when they pack their boxes, they have to rubber band them and tape them because things are like ready to fall out of them. That, she said, well, I packed my shoe boxes so poorly. I said, no, 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 no. That is a well-packed shoe box when you have to do that. That is a well-packed shoe box. Um, the other things that we have going on, again, you can take that. That's the traditional way of, of packing your shoe box. Um, if there are people who are in their homes but think they can, they still want to pack a traditional way, but they maybe don't want to go into stores, you're going to order on online and get your stuff. Um, if you don't want to come up to the church and get a box, you let us know, and we'll bring shoe boxes to you. Um, that that will be very fine. Um, another way that um, Samaritan's Purse is offering to, to pack shoe boxes this year is online. And if you go to our church website and go to the OCC tab, there's a link there to how to pack a shoe, build a shoe box online. It's really easy um, from the comfort of your computer. Um, you can pack a shoebox in like less than five minutes, and, and it still counts because all of these shoeboxes are gospel opportunities. Um, it's real easy to get excited about packing them and, you know, all the treasures that go in there. But the greatest treasure is when the heart of a child prays to ask Christ to come in and live in their heart. And that's the bottom line with these shoeboxes. Um, a couple good, good things that we have learned to encourage you. Um, this could be one of the most exciting shoebox seasons ever, locally and on a global basis. Um, first of all, um, I forgot to mention the first service. We do have prayer bookmarkers out there on the table. None of this can happen without prayer. And so I encourage you to take a bookmarker, pray as suggested, pray as the Lord leads. That's what we need more than anything. Um, we have 600 shoe boxes here ready, uh, empty and ready to go. Take as many as you can use. If you run out, come back. We'll have more. That'll all be good. Um, we are praying nationally that we'll have 12 million shoe boxes to send out this year. I believe God has 12 million kids on his heart. And so that's the number we want to ask him for. Um, we have learned, Samaritan's Purse has learned, that countries that were rocked by the virus um, are reopening. And our ministry partners there are waiting for these shoe boxes to come in. Only God could do that. Um, I talked to another lady from our church family a week ago. At that point, she had already packed nine shoe boxes and had them ready to go. I haven't talked to her for a week. I don't know what she did this week, but she's got nine ready to go. And then uh, lastly, 
Um, some really exciting news on a local level. Um, there are churches that are contacting the uh, local OCC volunteers um, asking for speakers to come in, churches, community groups. Would you come in? Would you tell us more about this work? And so we are adding churches and community groups to this work locally this year. And so that, that's already exciting. So um, I think that's all I have for now. So I want to encourage everybody to take a box. I'll be taking a box or two, and we pack them up. Uh, you can take those things off the tree and, and bring them in, do whatever. But there, there's so many opportunities. I'm thankful for Deb Metcalf as she takes this and, and makes this go. So let's thank God for Deb. Thank you so much. Deb also teaches four- and five-year-old children downstairs, and she has done that. For a long time, and uh, we just really appreciate Deb and Roger. Roger's a deacon in our church. We're so thankful for the, the great family we have here. That, that's what we're all about: making disciples who make disciples. Uh, Deb's heartbeat is trying to get these things over to the around the world, so that a missionary gives it to a kid. They open up the box. They tell them about Jesus. Isn't that powerful? So along the lines of Christmas, I also want to remind you, and you'll hear more about this in the days to come, our birthday gift to Jesus. We support missionaries all around the world, and with this year's birthday gift to Jesus 2020, we are going to set our goal at $90,000 again, and we're just asking God to supply. You know, COVID's been tough here. It's even tougher around the world. Um, There's a lot of extra needs. The missionaries are giving out more than they've ever had to give. And so they're feeding people. I've talked to two missionaries this week alone that are updating me on their status, what's going on, and, and, uh, and the mission has not been stopped. I want you to know this, folks. The world has been closed, but the church has not. Amen? God said the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. So the mission of Jesus Christ, while many people are not meeting yet, the mission has not stopped, and people's lives are being changed around the globe. So I want to encourage you to, uh, to pray about your part, and you'll hear more about this in the coming weeks for the birthday gift to Jesus. We'll just watch what God is going to do there. So, And along Christmas lines, uh, by the way, our dessert theater that we normally do, our Christmas outreach, will not be, will not be doing the dessert theater this year just because of the whole COVIDness and uh, get, being able to get that ready to go. But we are going to be doing something outside the first weekend of December. And it's going to involve lights. And it's going to involve Christmas. And it will be something like we've never done here before. And it will be a memory. And I want to encourage you, invite somebody to come. Somebody who needs Jesus. And that would be everybody, right? So invite somebody to come and be a part of that. You'll hear more about that coming up. I'm super thrilled. I can't give you details because I don't know them yet. But uh, I just want you to know that it's going to be really cool. And I just want you to envision all kind of Christmas lights as you're coming up the hill, going around the parking lot, going out to something out there so it's just going to be cool interactive your kids will have fun with it just have to wear your babushka all right it'll be a fun day all right good pittsburgh term a babushka all right let's go to the lord in prayer and i want to say thank you this morning for your giving we uh, obviously we've not been passing the plates but we have the offering box in the back of the auditorium offering box in the audit uh, in, in the foyer as well Many people give online, others send through the mail. So 
You can give all week long. If you stop up, you can put it in the mail. You can give online all week long. You can come and drop in the box uh, at any time. But we're so thankful for your giving. And I just want to give you, I want to show you this picture here. This picture is of our gymnasium update. We're starting to update out there now. That's very rough. It's just gotten the, the, literally the beginning of it. But we're doing a renovation to that thing. We ripped the red brick down. They're starting to put the stone up. They're going to put new siding up. They've got the HVAC already uh, in, uh, ordered. Uh, things are rolling. This is an exciting time for the church. And so, uh, folks, I want you to know that that gym does never sleep. There's kids up here playing basketball all the time. We're bringing people to Jesus. Uh, when uh, last, uh, I'm sorry, yesterday. I came up here Saturday afternoon to work a little bit on my message. And as I'm up here studying a little bit, there's a birthday party. People are using it in the gym. They're playing outside in the field with little kids. And so people are coming to Jesus. And I just want you to see, folks, we have a vision. We have a mission. And that's to transform our world for Jesus Christ. So I want you to join with us uh, as we do that. But can we thank God for the progress so far in the gym? Isn't that cool? That's exciting. I, I was away for a few days. I came back and saw that. I was just like, yeah. And I know it's like this much brick, but I'm just so excited, okay? It's a big deal for me, and I want to say thank you. And along that note, as we go to prayer this morning, a few weeks ago I asked you to pray for my friend, Pastor Jimmy Carroll. Um, he was a pastor in Raleigh Church, North, uh, at Journey Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. He ended up passing away, 52 years old, died of asthma-related complications. And so I actually flew down to the funeral on Friday and was there as his church was grieving the loss of their shepherd. So uh, I just want to continue to pray for them. These are our ministry partners. He was president of the Liberty Church Network, a a part of churches, a network of pastors that we get together and encourage each other. And so um, my heart goes out to their entire team as they now begin to ask God for the direction for their church. So let's pray for them this morning and for many others that are hurting today. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you, Lord. You've been so good to us. God, you have done some incredible things. We've just watched your hand, Lord. God, even though the world is... A little bit nuts right now, even though there's a virus going around, even though um, there's tension everywhere, even though you are still God. Lord, thank you that you are the rock-solid foundation. Thank you for what you're doing. Lord, we lift up the Operation Christmas Child to you. We ask that you will allow us to uh, impact our world tug on the hearts of your people to do that, Lord. For the, uh, for, for the birthday gift to Jesus, Lord, we ask that you'll tug on the people's hearts for that. Lord, for the trunk and treat, Lord, bring out who you want to be here for that night so that we can point people to Jesus. May they find a Savior because of your people being loving and kind. Lord, I think right now of Journey Church, Raleigh, North Carolina. Lord, I pray for that church now, Lord, as, uh, as they're grieving the loss of their shepherd. Lord, I, I lift up Pastor Jimmy's wife to you this morning, Lord, for Beverly. I just ask that you put your hand upon her. Uh, Be with her health, Lord, and for her son, God, for her son Austin. I I just lift them up to you, and I lift that entire church that is grieving. And, Lord, how painful that would be to lose their shepherd. But we know, God, that they have the good shepherd. The great shepherd will take care of them. So, Lord, I ask for your compassion on them, your kindness, and, and however we as a church can connect and love them through these times. Lord, I pray right now for the offering. We thank you for the giving of your people. You have been faithful. You have provided for us. And so now, Lord, we give to you because you said this is what you've called us to do.
Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the progress we're seeing on the gymnasium. Thank you for the souls that are coming to you, for the people that are coming up to to just be a part of what you're doing. And, Lord, I pray for many others that are hurting. Lord, we have several that are sick. Some are in a hospital. Lord, we even have one that has passed away this week for Lil Ranninger's family, Lord. I just lift them up to you. And so, Lord, uh, we we just ask uh, for, for so many people in our church, God, put your hand of protection upon us as we go out to serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords. In your name we pray. Amen. thankful that you're here this weekend. God is so good, isn't he? Can we thank God? What a great God we serve, folks. What a great God we serve. I, I want to encourage you um, on the way in. You'll see that we have the uh, outline of our, of our message, and you can pick that up. And you can follow in the blanks. I want to encourage you to take notes. Um, somebody once said this, that the shortest pencil is better than the longest memory. And so it just helps. Um, you may never look at it again. You'll remember that you wrote it down. So these are the disciplines of the Christian life. And so as we, as we do this and we're making disciples, we're growing disciples, I want to encourage you to take notes. And, um, and I'll do my best to follow the outline. So uh, I want to encourage you as we go along here. We're talking about the blessed life. Jesus gives eight statements Blessed are, blessed are, blessed are. And when he said blessed, the word blessed means happy. Happy are, happy are, happy are. So if you want to live a happy life, you want to be happy, God says this is how it's done. Happy are, blessed are. Now let's go to Matthew chapter 5 verse 7 and let's read this together, okay? Matthew 5 7, blessed are the merciful. Let's read it aloud. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the merciful. What's he talking about here? You know, mercy is not something that is sought after naturally. In in the Bible times, during this New Testament writings, uh, the the Roman Empire, underneath that, that culture, mercy was not something that was desired by the natural person. When the Bible was written, mercy was not a trait that was admired. The Romans admired courage. They admired wisdom. They admired discipline, but not mercy. Uh, Philosophers of the day had called mercy the disease of the soul. Mercy was something that was hated. Mercy was something that you were ashamed of if you wanted to be a success, if you wanted to excel, if you wanted to do good things and, and, and be successful. Slaves, as you know, during that time, slavery was prevalent and slaves were treated as disposable. It was absolutely a deplorable situation. Uh, a temperamental master could come along and he could, uh, in a fit of anger, he could, uh, he could hurt his slave, he could maim his slave, or he could even kill his slave. An enemy was an enemy, and the best enemy was a dead enemy, and that's just the way it was. And so when you thought about mercy, mercy was not something that, like when Jesus said, Blessed are the merciful, people weren't saying, Yeah, I can't wait to be merciful. 
They were not taught that. And when Jesus taught everything he said, raised eyebrows. It raised eyebrows from the culture and it raised eyebrows from the church. Because neither one were teaching these things. This was a revolution. And Jesus' thoughts, Jesus' teaching were revolutionary. He says, blessed are the merciful. However, when Jesus and his followers begin to show mercy and they display mercy, they practice mercy, it was a revelation of power. It was not a revelation of weakness. Instead of being something that is known as the sickness of the soul, Jesus is telling us here that mercy is the health of the Christian experience. You know, a healthy person has positive things happen to them, right? Positive things about health. You know, if you go out and you have a flower outside, you have your fall mums. If they're healthy, they're going to continue to grow, right? You keep watering them. But if you don't water it, it doesn't grow. It's not healthy. And so the healthy believer, a healthy follower of Christ, will show mercy is what God says. Blessed are the merciful. Happy are the merciful. For they will obtain mercy. And by the way, this is not saying that if you're merciful, somehow God will be merciful to you. I I think when you first read it, you look at that, well, it means that God's going to be merciful to you if you're merciful. No, no, God is merciful. His very nature is that he is merciful. He is mercy. Uh, It's in his character. But it uh, it is not something that you can earn. You don't earn his mercy. He gives his mercy. So when he says, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy, we're going to look at both halves of this verse today. We're going to look, first of all, what's he mean by being merciful? Secondly, we're going to talk about obtaining mercy. Um, Theologians tell us this. They say that there are attributes of God. Some are absolute. Some are relative. The absolute attributes of God. In other words, this is who God is, independent of anybody. He doesn't need anything for this to accomplish. And then there are the relative attributes that is God's attribute now becomes translated into the relationship that God has with humans. For example, truth. God is truth. He doesn't need you to agree with him or not. He is truth. But his truth, when it is translated into relationship, becomes faithfulness. God is faithful. He is 100% faithful. God is holy. We know that God is holy. His holiness translates into relationally as justice because we live in a world that is filled with injustice. Today we're watching injustice happening all over our world. And I want to share with you that the answer is Jesus Christ. His character, His holiness, He is the one who is in charge of justice. And as much as we want to go out and solve injustice, it is God who is the one who takes care and deals with injustice. It is His character. And, and then today, love, grace and mercy. Love. He is, God is love. No matter what, God is love. It's who He is. John, First uh, John tells us that God is love, translated into relationships, that is grace and mercy. So today, when you think about mercy, everybody has, you know, uh, I know I'm one of those persons who, when you're having a rough time, you go, oh, mercy. Uh, you know, and we just say, mercy me. You know, that was a rough day. You say, oh, mercy. And so what does it really mean? Mercy is this, and I'm going to give you a very basic definition of mercy. It is God not giving me what I deserve. Read that with me. Mercy is God not giving me what I deserve. Well, what do I deserve? Lamentations 3.22 says this. 
though the Lord's mercies, that through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. Through the mercies of the Lord, because God is merciful, because he displays his mercy to you and I, we are not consumed. What do I deserve? What is God not giving me that I deserve? According to the scriptures, the wages of sin is death. I have sinned. I've offended a holy God. The wage, what do I deserve? You understand what a wage is because when you go to work, you say, I'm going to work for what I'm worth. I'm worth more than that, right? So you go to your boss, your boss pays you $20 an hour, and across the street they're offering 30 I'm worth 30 I'm going to go work over there, right? Well, God says if he gives you what you're worth, what your sin has earned you, it is death. Separation from God in a real place called hell. Hell's a scary word, isn't it? And many preachers don't talk about hell today. But I want to tell you, it's in the Bible. It's part of the message. It is, it is, it is the, it is a very important part of the message because until you understand that you and I deserve hell, I deserve to go to hell, but God in His mercy has not consumed us. It is through his compassion that we will not fail. There is nothing that I can do that will earn my way to the Father in heaven. It is only through the mercy of God. So God looked on on me and he looks on you and he says, through my mercy. Now, his mercy is not sending me to hell. Thanks be to God. Amen. That is his mercy for you. Listen, the fact that you are here and you're living and you're breathing, that is his mercy today. Think of all the wrong that you have ever done. Think of your darkest secret that nobody else knows about. And God has compassion and mercy upon you. He has mercy upon me today. God does not give me what I deserve if I get what I deserve. And so I want to continue here. And this morning in Genesis 19:16, we see the word merciful used. Um, Lot, Abraham, he's praying for Sodom and Gomorrah. And he says, Lord, please don't destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. God, please don't destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And so he goes back and forth and he's praying back and forth. And God says, well, find this many righteous people. Find this many righteous people. And God basically showed him, look, there's nobody righteous here. This is going to be done because of my mercy. And so God is going to destroy the city anyhow. But he comes before him. He says, please, for my family. And so look what happened. When Lot hesitated, this was his son, when Lot hesitated, the angel seized his hand and the hands of his wife and two daughters and rushed them to safety outside the city. For the Lord was merciful. I want you to catch the picture. God is saying, I'm going to destroy this place. Sodom and Gomorrah was so wicked. God says, I'm going to destroy it. And he's about ready to destroy it. And Lot hesitates. And the angel of the Lord comes and like he grabbed a child's hand and says, come with me. You remember that when you did that to your kids? You know, some of you that have kids know what I'm talking about. You know, and that hand just goes flying and you're dragging them across the street. Why did God do that? For he was merciful to Lot. He, Lot, listen, so this means that Lot really deserved to, to die. God was merciful. God was merciful. Let me share it to you like this. Mercy pities. Mercy has pity. 
You don't get what you deserve. Grace pardons. I get something that I don't deserve. For the wages of sin is death, is mercy. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's grace. God promises me, he promises you a home in heaven through Jesus Christ our Lord. Not by any works that I do. That is a gift from God. Amen? This is the gift that God has given to you and I. So when you hear these words in the Bible, they're not the same. They're very close because they're dealing with you. They're dealing with me. But God has mercy on one hand and grace on the other hand. God the Savior, Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, God in the flesh, Jesus is God, comes down and dies on the cross and pays for your sin. This was mercy and grace altogether. But I want to, I want to encourage you to remember this. How do we become merciful then? If, if, if that's how God treats us, he says, blessed are the merciful. How do you and I become merciful? I think number two in your notes this morning, you have to understand this, that mercy begins with pain. Mercy begins with pain. If there was, uh, if there was no pain involved, there would be no mercy. As far as your relationship to God, you've offended a holy God. You have made an offense against God. So God in his mercy doesn't send us to hell if you trust his son, Jesus Christ. Not, listen, this is, this is not like, hey, everybody's going to heaven. No, no, no. This is, you got to trust my son. That's the mercy of God, the gift of God. Now, I want you to catch this in, uh, in your relationships, in your world. How do I display mercy? Well, first of all, I think that we are merciful to people that we don't even know. There are people that maybe that are poor and you may help the poor. There are people that have a need. You help them. Uh, you're, you're, you're merciful to people that, that can't help themselves. But then there's this idea of pain when somebody has hurt you unjustly. That happens, doesn't it? It could be somebody that you know and love well. They hurt you unjustly. It could be a casual relationship. It could be a friend that you had for many years. But you now have pain. Mercy begins with pain. And you cannot show mercy unless you have the power to hurt. So in a relationship, somebody hurts you. What is your power? You have the power to hurt back. So, all right, here I am. I've come along. And this person has made me mad. They've hurt me intentionally or unintentionally. But they have made an offense against me. Well, God says mercy begins right at that point because the natural thing that we do is we fight back. We yell back. We get louder. We get more painful. We inflict pain. Somebody hurts you. Isn't that how you were taught whenever you were a kid? You know, whenever I was a kid, I'll never forget I was taught, if somebody punches you, you punch them back. Anybody else taught that? Okay. Four or five of you. The rest of you, we were punching. No, I'm just kidding. Right. Well, I was taught when you were punched. Now, listen, maybe it's just because I was from the city. You know, maybe in the suburbs you didn't have to teach this. But I was in the city, and we were taught, man, if you got punched, you punch them back. And that translated into everything about life. Like, if, if somebody hurt, you're going to hurt them more. Mercy begins with pain. But mercy does not take revenge. You see, so somebody has hurt me, and so now mercy says, I'm not going to hurt you back. Mercy says, I'm going to be 
merciful. I am going to give you what you don't deserve. I am not going to harm you. Mercy does not take revenge. Look at Romans twelve nineteen. Dear friends, never take revenge. Never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. I love that, don't you? If somebody has hurt you, how much can I hurt you versus how much God can hurt you? Really. Think about that. Like, like I can't hurt you as much as God could, but God in his mercy isn't going to harm you. But he says this, Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For in the scriptures he says, I will, not, I will take revenge, the Lord says. I will pay them back, says the Lord. In other words, revenge belongs to the Lord. You don't have to take revenge onto yourself. When we grow, we do not strike back. When we do not strike back, that is mercy. So when we do not take revenge, we grow. See, this is the sign of a growing believer. Somebody who has trusted Jesus Christ. Now, folks, let me explain this to you. If you have not trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you do not have this ability to do this. This is a God-given ability. Oh, some people may be more merciful in their personality, more mild, more, more less conflict-oriented. But to be able to not inflict pain when I have been inflicted pain, this comes from God. And this is, this is where this isn't about go out and try harder. God says, listen, this is the attributes. This is my character that's going to live out in you. When we do not take revenge, we are growing. It's like exercising a muscle. You know, when you go to exercise and you lift, lift those weights, and, and, and all of a sudden you feel that in your arm. You feel, oh, man, it feels, it's kind of hurting. It, it's kind of painful, but like maybe three days later it feels a lot better. And it's a lot stronger, but whenever it happens, it's painful. And so when we exercise mercy, it's like exercising that muscle. Over here in Philippians 3.10, the Apostle Paul said it like this. He says, that I may know him. I want to know him, Jesus Christ, and the power of his resurrection. And right there is where we all stop. We love that. Everybody wants the resurrection power. The same power that rose Jesus from the dead lives in you, right? Paul says, I want his resurrection power. And I want to know him and the fellowship of his sufferings. What? I want to suffer. Uh, Jesus Christ suffered. His mercy cost him suffering. He went to the cross for you. He paid for your sin once for all forever. So he goes to the cross for you. And he, the Apostle Paul says, I want to know him. I want to know the power of his resurrection. I want a fellowship and suffering with him. And I want to be conformed to the death of Jesus Christ. Wow, folks, following Christ can be painful. Um, when I show mercy, I suffer pain. Catch that. When you show mercy, you suffer pain. It's an act of faith. And God's giving you this faith, and, and it becomes your spiritual growth. Love makes me want to exercise, exercise this faith, and it comes from the Holy Spirit of God. When we get hurt, we have the power to hurt other people. Love enters the picture then, and not to cancel the truth. Folks, mercy does not cancel the truth. The truth is you have been harmed. You have been hurt. You have been injured. But mercy says, I'm going to control the truth. 
I'm not going to cancel it. I'm going to look and I'm going to say, okay, God, I deserve, like, like that person deserves this. Yeah, you're right. God says in mercy you don't give them what they deserve. Having the righteousness of God. Last week we talked about hungering and thirsting after the righteousness of God. We begin to act like him. Blessed are the merciful. Like, like this is what God's called us to do. When we show mercy, we are becoming more like Jesus. So I want to encourage you to become like Jesus. Are you, are you more like Jesus today than you were yesterday? We struggle in all these areas because we're still fallen people. We still have the sin nature, and, and I'm going to deal with sin till the day I die. But we show, when we show mercy, we're becoming more like Jesus. So I want to ask you, are you more merciful now than you were a year ago? That's the sign of a growing believer, someone who's growing. Look at Ephesians 5.1. The Apostle Paul said, Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. Just like little children, be imitators of God. Look at this picture. That picture says a lot, doesn't it? If you've had kids, you, you know what this picture says. It's when that kid, little kid goes in and puts on dad's shoes. And he's walking around the house. And he's acting like dad. He says dad's silly statements. I'll never forget Kara. She was, she was, uh, she was the one who always, I remember, wearing mom's shoes. Mom would have her, her Sunday heels, right? And she'd come in and she'd put them on. And she'd be like, acting like mama. She'd be singing like mama. She'd be doing all that stuff. As little children imitate their parents, God says for you to imitate your heavenly father. He's merciful. But, but our culture says to look out for number one. Our culture says to keep going forward. Our culture says suck it up and, and, and get over it, buttercup, right? But, but God says to be merciful. Wow, to be merciful. Uh, then Peter came. This is over in Matthew chapter 18. Jesus has this exchange with Peter. Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times, and what he was talking about was, in the law, it said to forgive three times. And so Peter, when he comes to Jesus, he says, should I forgive seven times? And he's thinking, well, Jesus has a higher standard, so it must be the law. And I'll double it, and I'll even add one, seven times. Look what Jesus says. Jesus says, no, not seven times, but 70 times seven. And if you're like me, you're doing the math, all right? Peter doubles it and goes to three. Uh, three. Three and three is six. One more is seven. Now, Jesus says seven times 70, and so you're like 490. And so when you're in a relationship, okay, you've offended me 480 times. You have ten more times, and you're done, buddy. I don't have to forgive you anymore. That's not what Jesus was saying. He was saying, don't count. Don't keep track. You know, when you keep track of all the people who harm you, you harm yourself. People have harmed me all my life. People will continue to harm me. When you keep track, you harm yourself. And Jesus illustrates that point right here. I want you to catch that because when you keep track, you harm yourself. And Jesus says, don't keep track. You need to forgive. You need to be merciful, merciful, merciful. And, and, and so look what Jesus says here. He says, continues on, therefore, the kingdom of heaven... 
can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with the servants who had borrowed money from him. So in the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. And I, I, listen, Jesus was the master illustrator. I love how he's illustrating this. He says this servant couldn't pay. So his master, the king, ordered that he be sold along with his wife, along with his children, and along with everything that he owned to pay the debt. But yet, the man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me. I will pay it all. I will pay it off. I know I can do this. Then the master was filled with pity. There's your word. Pity. Mercy. The master was filled with mercy, with pity for him. And he released him and forgave his debt. Now, I want you to catch this because he couldn't pay the debt off. He tried. He says, listen, I'm going to try. And I want you to catch this between you and God. You can't try to pay the debt off. This is a picture of God and his love for you. He says that the servant was, uh, the master was filled with pity. He released him and he forgave him his debt. Now, that is so powerful that he forgave him his debt. Could you imagine if, uh, if everything that you owed was paid off? Could you imagine you leave church today and you're the one millionth customer? You know, you walk out on the parking lot and Jim Watts comes up to you and says, Congratulations, you're the one millionth customer at Crossroads Ministries. We're here to pay off your debt. And you're like, Really? I'm coming back next week. And you list your debt. You give them your mortgage, your car payment, your student loans, your mother's student loans. Anybody's debt you can find, you add in there, right? And you give it to them plus a couple thousand. And Jim Watts gives you a cashier's check. It says, this will bounce all the way down to 88. Have a good day, right? He pays off your debt. That's what God did for you. He paid off your debt. Every infraction you have against him, he took it out on the son of the living God. When Jesus died on the cross, he crushed the, the, the Old Testament says, and he crushed him. But look what happened to this guy. Verse 28. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and he demanded instant payment. He was forgiven millions. This guy owes me a few thousand. You better pay up now. His fellow servant fell down and begged him and and for a little more time. uh, And be patient with me and I will pay it, he pleaded. I'll figure this out. But his creditor couldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. Really? You were forgiven millions and here's a couple thousand over here. Millions versus a couple thousand and you couldn't let this go? When some of the other servants saw this, they were upset. They went to the king and they told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man that he had forgiven and said, you evil servant, I forgave you this tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his Entire debt. Sent him to prison. He was tortured. 
That's what my heavenly Father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. And as I look at that passage, I'm saying, what's he talking about? Is he saying if I don't forgive somebody, I'm going to go to hell? No, that would be works. You don't get to heaven by your work. He's saying that the true children of God, they're merciful. They forgive. You want to see the sign of a true believer? Forgiveness is at the heart of Christianity. And this is where God talks about the sheep and the goats would be separated. It's where it's separated on forgiveness. If you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters, Go back one verse there. Look what he says here. This is the part that stands out to me. And I've read over this verse because I've gone after the punchline so much. But it's all the punchline. Every verse in the, matter, in the Bible matters. The angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he paid his debt. You know what happens to you and I as believers when I don't forgive? I go to the prison of unforgiveness. I go to the prison of unmercifulness. Our thoughts become shackled. You know, when some, when you can't forgive somebody, your thoughts can't are un, you can't, they're shackled. You, you can't let them go. You're you're consumed by this thing. You begin to get ulcers. It affects your health. Uh, like like this will destroy you. You're going to the prison. Check out the picture here of this prison. I want you to think about it because this is what it says. If you don't let go, you're the one in prison. Oh, you think you put your offender in prison? No, 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 no. You're the one in prison. Our emotions become chained. Your will becomes almost paralyzed. You can't think about nothing else. It'll destroy your life. You want to obtain mercy? Show it. You know what mercy is? Mercy is you getting out of that jail. And this verse has come to life for me. Matthew 5, 7, when Jesus said, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. It has to do with somebody offends you, and you don't pay them back that evil. You don't hurt them. He says that you will get out of prison. Because he illustrated it in Matthew 18 that you go to jail. Folks, I don't want you to live this Christian life tortured. I've watched many believers through the years end up tortured, handcuffed, because something happened whenever they were 5 or 25 or 55 or 75, and they live the rest of their life in handcuffs because they can't let it go. Folks, you will have bad experiences. They're everywhere. And I'm sorry that you've had a bad experience. If your bad experience was with the church, I'm sorry that you've had a bad experience with the church. I'll tell you what, God is merciful. And sometimes there are people in the church that are not merciful. But I want to share with you today, let it go. For when you are merciful, you get out of prison. To extend mercy, I have first got to receive mercy. That's it. Listen, it has to come into your heart. It can't be just head knowledge. Folks, there will be people that will be in hell that had head knowledge. 
They will have made a mental ascent, but their heart was never engaged. And Jesus says, I want you to be engaged. I want you to be my follower. I want you to feel this mercy. To extend mercy, I must receive it. Titus 3, 5, he saved us not because of the righteous things that we have done, but because of his mercy. I have to experience mercy in my heart. I want to encourage you folks, experience mercy in your heart. When we are merciful, we get out of prison. We get out of prison. You know, being unmerciful is like a drug. feels good. feels good to pay somebody back. It feels good, and it can consume your life. And for a while, you can live off it. It provides even energy because it fuels your fire. But do you know, if I haven't forgiven that from yesterday... Oh, that fire fuels for a while. And like a drug, it will destroy you. Utterly destroy you. And you go right back into jail. And you can't love the next. You can't have another friend. You can't have the next thing that God wants for you because you're angry over this. And God says, be merciful. And you will obtain mercy. Don't go by how it feels. Go by what God has called his children to do. This is an attribute. If you're his child, he's given you this. And I want to encourage you. When you go to work tomorrow, be merciful. When you go throughout your day-to-day, be merciful. Be merciful to the people you don't know. Be merciful to the people that you do know. Let go of the grudge. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Get out of jail. Let's close in prayer. As we close today, I want to invite you to be merciful. The way you do it is to start with Jesus. He was merciful to you. Will you come unto him this morning? If that's you, you say, Pastor Ken, I'm ready to come to Jesus. Would you, would you open your heart to him right now? Would you just pray and say something like this? Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner and I, if I get what I deserve... I'm separated from the holy God of the universe forever and ever. And I admit to you, Lord, that I'm a sinner. I've offended you. I've caused you pain. But God, you were merciful to me. Thank you, God, for your mercy upon my soul. Thank you for dying on that cross to pay for my sin. For coming back to life again. Jesus, I admit this morning that you are the living God and I trust you with my life. And for others this morning as children of God, maybe you have been in jail. You have been emotionally imprisoned. Oh, somebody has hurt you and it hurts. That's true. But you're the one who's in jail crippled emotionally you don't even know it you ask God to let his attribute of mercy flow through you let's go out and change the world this week by being imitators of God Lord thank you I pray you be with each person Lord as they've joined online they've joined here in the auditorium I pray that you will help us 
Lord, give us the power to let this attribute of mercy live out. Lord, for those that have just trusted you as their Savior, I pray that you will encourage them. Lord, as they seek you, as they follow you. In your precious name we pray. Well, thanks for joining us today. Aren't you thankful to be here? God is good. Amen. Let's thank our great God. What a great God we serve. God bless you. You are dismissed.
short as my eyes close and mind awakes. No words come to fill the space, 'cause words they don't do your power much justice. It's too great, too great to be bound by little letters we make up. And it's funny that we sometimes think we understand the fullness of your glory by calling you this and that. But the reality is that we can't fully comprehend how you can be all of who you are. And think of us. You think of me. Daily, you have a desire to be a part of my life, and I can't understand why. It's one of those things that's too good to be true, but yet it is. I don't think my job is to understand why. I think all that I'm supposed to do. Fire, fire warms my heart under the night sky. 